Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Movies with Heart. We took a week break because of technical difficulties, but we're back <laughs> with the new Bond film, No Time to Die. So I'm your host, Kiri, and my friend Brett's here with us, as always. Hello. So, um, yeah, we're talking about the new Bond film today. For those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's the final uh, film with Daniel Craig. Um, I mean, they kind of wrapped up Bond by saying, like, oh, Bond will return, which he always does. So, um, But, yeah, this was just kind of his latest one. I had not seen Spectre before watching this one. So I kind of did, like, a double feature where I watched Spectre and then the night after I watched No Time to Die. And with both of them, I kind of felt like they were fine. Like, they were good. The action was fun. Neither of them were really spectacular. Um, Which of Daniel Craig's Bonds is your favorite, Brett? Um... Honestly, Casino Royale was probably my favorite of the Daniel Craig Bonds. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree. I remember really liking Skyfall when it came out. And I do think, I was talking a little bit um, with my dad about this. I do think Silva is probably their strongest villain. Okay. But what made Casino so terrifying is that you didn't entirely know who the villain was. Like, Lashif was this kind of front man, but you, knew, you didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. And so to me, that made, like, kind of the fear of the unknown made a really good villain. Um, but yeah, I think overall, like, I tend to have the most fun when I'm watching Casino. And I just think that was, yeah, that's probably my favorite of, of the Daniel Craig films. I mean, honestly, to me, out of all the new Bond films with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale kind of felt like the most classic traditional type of Bond movie, but also had kind of a new flavor or new twist to it than the Roger Moore and the Sean Connerys and the Pierce Bronsons. It felt like, I was going to say the same thing. It felt like his own, like it felt like a new... (laughs) It felt like a new generation of Bond. Like, it was like, oh, this has all the stuff I know and love about classic Bond while being, like, very, I don't know, while kind of modernizing it and bringing in, like, some of the new, like, some of the new technology and new things that we have nowadays. Right, because with each Bond, they have kind of, like, a little twist to how that Bond is portrayed and does stuff. Mm -hmm. and, And there was more of a hint of realism with Daniel Craig, but you also had your weird gadgets and other stuff, but it doesn't seem like it was as far-fetched as some of the other stuff that they had in previous Bonds. That's what I was going to say, too. Especially... So, Casino and Quantum were kind of... Yeah, more of the the realism of Bond. Like, yeah, it didn't have... Because we talked before about how there was one... I don't remember which one it was, but I think it was a Roger Moore one where he has a cigarette that had like a missile or something that came out of it because he was chatting with Blofeld and like one of Blofeld's secret lairs. And he was like, you know, would you mind if I smoke? And Blofeld's like, no, 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 that's fine. And he gets out his little cigarette and I remember him like aiming it and a freaking missile shoots out. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little much. 
Yeah, so you didn't really see that much in in the first two. And then Skyfall was kind of the bridge between kind of this new Bond and classic Bond. He had the classic car, and there was a lot of, like, Easter eggs of old school Bond. And then Spectre and No Time to Die had a little bit more of the of the classic Bond feel, but they weren't as good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, No Time to Die kind of felt like a different, almost like, a, how can I explain this? Almost like a different story in itself, but also was tied to the other Bonds. It was really a weird mm-hmm. feel to it. Well, because here was my big problem with, with Spectre, <laughs> is you kind of had this thing going where, like with Casino, you knew Le Chief was part of something bigger, but you didn't really know what it was. Right. And then in Quantum of Solace, you figure out that it's quantum. Right. And then Silva, the villain in Skyfall, was kind of his own thing. It was just a revenge story. Um, he was kind of a, a loose cannon on his own. And then Spectre was like, ooh, they're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> they're all actually part of this bigger thing called Spectre. <laughs> and I was like, I can't buy that. Yeah. Like, I can't buy that Le Chief was part of this secret society, which was actually part of this bigger secret society. And then They're with Silva, puppets. same thing. I was like, what was that? They're all puppets. Yeah. And then Silva, I was like, there was no way he was part of something bigger. Like, he was, he was his own thing. He had a very... Yeah, his was a revenge story. He was he was angry and petty and bitter and he wanted to he wanted to get back at at, at Bond and M. But yeah. I don't know. No time to die, I feel like tied into Spectre in some ways and in other ways I was just like, you you've lost me completely. <laughs> Yeah, like I was saying, like it, it kind of felt like it was its own story, but then it was tied into past bonds, like almost all the way up until the first bond. It like tied into stuff from the first bond, like the Casino Royale. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, it was it was it was interesting. Cause like for for those of you who haven't seen it, like quick quick synopsis. Um so at the end of Spectre, Bond is basically decides he's going to retire and live with this woman that he loves. So he did, you know, he retires and disappears. Um, Spectre finds him. He thinks that this woman sold Madeline, sold him out. Um, There's a big car chase action sequence. um, And then he, you know, lives and he basically dumps Madeline off and is like, I can't be with you. And then it does this like five year time jump. Yeah. Um, so he's like living in, in, where is he living at this time? He's living in like South Africa or something, right? Yeah. I'm not too sure, actually. Haiti? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. So he's, he's, you know, disappeared. He's doing his thing. His CIA buddy Felix finds him and is like, help me out on this last job. And they go to Cuba. Um, oh, be, and there's like a new 007, and she finds him first, and she's like, hey, you know, you need to talk to M. We kind of need your help. And he's like, screw you. And then Felix comes in and is like, hey, do you want to help us? And Bond's like, yeah, all right. So, <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That pretty much was how it went. 
so they go to Cuba. There's a big action fight sequence again. They find out that there's this deadly, like, bioweapon that can, you know, kill, kill selected people. According to, like, their genes. Like, there's always some mass weapon that Bond has to protect the world from. That's just every single right. Bond movie in history has something to do with that. Right. So... Bond decides to go help MI6, mostly because he's like, you guys are a freaking train wreck and messing everything up. So he helps them. He has to work with Madeline again, which he's not happy about. There's awkwardness there. Um, and then they basically decide that they need to, like, take down... They end up, like, finding out that this one guy has been, like, behind everything... <laughs> And he has a secret lair. Oh, you also find out Bond has a kid, which we'll get to that later. Um, kind of. I mean, they allude to it, and then towards the end, they find out you, more that it's his. But at the beginning, when he first finds out about it, she's like, oh, it's not yours. And he's like, okay. And then that towards the end, you're just like, oh, okay. Oh, it's a five-year-old child, and we had a five-year time jump. But sure, it's not yours, Bond. Right. Clearly. Um, so they find the secret lair. Bond saves the day, but he, like, goes down with this ship. So he ends up getting his getting Madeline and his child out, and he's like, you know, I love you. I've always loved you. He dies with the missiles. That's pretty much the movie. Yep. That is pretty much the movie in a nutshell. So, I do want to talk, before we really start, you know, ripping into this film, I do want to say, there was, like, everything in Cuba, I loved. I thought Ana de Armas was a great, like, she was one that I was, like, a little bit disappointed that she wasn't in the movie more, because she was by far the best part. Um, she was funny. She was kind of quirky. You could tell that she was a new agent. Like, I'm hoping that we see her in future Bonds. Yeah, her her scene was pretty short. Yeah, like, she was only... Because she was only in there for the Cuba part. And she was in, like, trailers and in marketing and stuff where it was like, ooh, look at this new, this new Bond girl. She's not a Bond girl. She's a female who happens to be an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, or she's an agent who happens to be a female, I guess. And so, yeah, I, but she was... I mean, she was funny. She was cute. She was kind of quirky. She, you could tell she was kind of new to the field. Um, yeah, she added some like light and humor to the situation in a film that really did not have much light humor at all. No, and not really. Yeah, and so I don't know. Like, I just really loved everything about her and everything in Cuba. I kind of thought it was fun too how you had this conflict with like the new 007. Um, you know, who Bond did not like. You had kind of this, like, rivalry almost going on. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, I really liked all of that. I thought the scene was fun. It was action film. The choreography, like, the battle choreography was really cool. I just, like, during that whole scene, I was thoroughly enjoying myself. Yeah. you have anything you want to add to that? Um. Not really. I mean, because that, that was a, a pretty typical type of Bond action scene where mm-hmm. you have a bunch of, they're in the thick of it. They're in the middle of all these bad guys and they have a big 
blazing gun battle sort of thing. Um, I did like, like you mentioned, um, I liked the new agent girl. I thought she was kind of a fun addition to the cast and to the role. Um, her scene was fairly short. I mean, that was only, what, like 15, 20 minutes? I was about to say 20 minutes, I think. And then she's just like, hi, I'm the new agent. Okay, bye. You know, she was just gone. Mm -hmm. And you never saw her again. Um, and so... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just was was just gonna say. So it it was nice to see that, but it, it was she was there and quick so quickly. I mean, I mean, she was there and gone so quickly that it just, you know, I, I yeah. Because she says to him like, or he says to her like, you know, I I'd like to work with you again, or you know, something like that. And she was like, yeah, it was fun. And then you don't see her the rest of the movie. You don't. So that's kind of my thing is I'm like, is that it for her? Is she going to show up in the next Bond? Is there going to be no continuity whatsoever? Is she going to be taking the place of the uh, Felix character? Right. Because Felix died. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know. We don't yeah, know. Yeah. I felt like that was the best part of the movie. I felt like she was one of your strongest additions and they did really very little with it, which was frustrating. But at the other hand, I'm like, I mean, good job on that. On those 20, 20 minutes. That was great. Yeah. I just don't know what happened the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and the rest of the movie really did drag. And when I, so I had to watch this movie twice. Um, yes. And the reason for that is because the first time I watched it, because I saw it was on and I was like, oh, I'll watch this and see how it is. The new Bond movie, I haven't seen it and people have been telling me that I should see it. So I watched it and I found myself getting bored with it and having to pretty much get up and start doing my dishes and start doing my laundry. And it's playing in the background. Like I can hear everything that's going on in it. But I was doing stuff around the house while Bond was playing. And I came back to it a few times. I didn't miss a thing. I didn't miss a thing. I even watched it again for the podcast just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And I just, I didn't, I didn't miss a thing. That's how much it dragged. <laughs> and I mean, to that point, and I've said this before, I think with The Shining, where if a movie is longer than two hours, it's already got a little bit of an uphill battle to prove to me why it deserves to be two, longer than two hours. Like, why, why should I spend this much time on you? You know, that, that's how I feel with films. And some of them, I do, you know, Lord of the Rings, I'm like, bravo, you want me to sit here for four hours? You got it. <laughs> and there are definitely some films like that, but um, this one, that's how I felt. Like, I was an hour and a half into it, and I was like, oh my gosh. I still have an hour and 15 minutes left. Right. And what has, what has happened other than the Cuba scene? Well, and the thing is, is with a long movie, even if they're just telling a story and it's not an action movie and it's still a long movie, you're still enthralled into the story and stuff. This just felt yes. like unnecessarily long. The story was floundering and the action really wasn't a whole lot of action in this bond movie there's a couple scenes at the beginning there's a couple scenes 
in the middle, and then there's a couple scenes at the end, and everything in between is just weird, awkward character Exposition. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it felt like so much of it was unnecessary. Like, I finished, and I was like, that could have easily been a two-hour film. I don't know why it was almost three hours long. Now, and I didn't think about that this until now. Is this the longest Bond film, Daniel Craig Bond film? Ooh, it might be. Let me, I'm kind of curious now. Because I, I didn't even think about that until now. Like, is this the longest of them? And is it because we're like, well, we're going to kill him off, so we better make a good long movie and, you know, send him off in the right way or, or some weird idea like that yeah casino's two and a half quantum is an hour less than this one quantum's only an hour 45 okay i mean that's not a great film so <laughs> wait how long was casino uh, two and a half really like 234 yeah hmm. skyfall was like 223 and specter was 228 so yeah they all hover except for quantum they all hover right around two and a half and then this one decided to be almost two or almost three hours. Just because they had to have that long scene at the end where he gets poisoned and he can't go back to Madeline because he'd kill her and all this stuff. Yeah. And so he dies and he has to talk to her and finds out it's his kid and he she has his eyes and da 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 it just drags mm -hmm. and drags. It's just like die already these missiles are coming and they don't take this long <laughs> to hit the facility <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> and that brings me to like my next point this one there were parts where it felt like classic bond yeah. um you know where you, you got you got the gadgets and you got q and m and money penny and there, you know, there's there's the action sequences here and here. And so there was so much of it that felt like it was trying to be classic Bond. And then it did things that like flew in the face of classic Bond. Like what? Like, well, first of all, the fact that they killed James Bond. Well, yeah. Like that's very, because classic Bond is very like, they're popcorn films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're action, they're fun, there's not a whole lot of emotional depth there. And Casino turned that a little bit on its head with the whole Vesper storyline. Yeah. Like, Vesper dies, and I remember watching it and being like, what the hell, Bond? I watched this for light fluffiness, you're killing me a little bit. Yeah. And so this one felt so jarring, because it was like, hmm, classic, like, it did all the classic Bond gimmicks, but we're gonna kill Felix. And we're going to kill Bond. And we're not going to really have much. Like, there wasn't a lot of uh, comic relief other than Ana de Armas' character. And so that's kind of how I felt, too, is I was like, this feels like it's trying to be classic Bond, but it feels a little bit too dark and heavy to be classic Bond. It's almost like they're trying to kill off all the original, like, Bond characters in this yeah. series. Because they okay, killed, we killed, we, we killed Vesper, and then we killed M, uh -huh. and now we're killing Felix and Bond. Yep. Like they're trying to do just a whole new cast for the new one. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that's kind of what I'm curious about too. We, could, I mean, we won't speculate on this too long because we're here to analyze the film. But I'm curious 
with what like where Bond is going to go after this because they still have M they still have a cast of M Money Penny and Q, and I'm like, are they going to keep that cast? Is there going to be any continuity? But like the thing is, is Bond is because Bond died. <laughs> I don't know how you can keep M Money Penny and Q and be like. This is the new James Bond because the unless, Bond died. I mean, unless they go on the line and change it to just 007 and not Bond, right? And the girl Nomi, is yeah, Nomi is just the new 007, and they just kind of go on that line. I kind of liked her. I wouldn't be mad if they did that. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's bad or anything. I'm just saying that's right. Maybe that's that's it. I didn't, I didn't think 007. you were saying that. I I was just saying in general. I'm like I. They've been speculating a lot about like who's going to be the new Bond, and I'm like, honestly, I would be okay if they did if they did that. Um, I don't think they will, right. just because I feel like Bond's so classic, you know, the classic m- male power figure. Well, it would be weird for them to bring in a new Bond at this point because honestly, with Nomi, they gave her the title of 007, so how are they going to do that? Like bring in some new guy and be like, Oh, by the way, you're not 007 anymore. Cause this new guy that just joined our services is not 007. So that's what I'm saying is I don't know. I don't know if they'll keep any of the cast. Yeah. Or if they'll just try to start just do over. a whole new storyline or something like that. Yeah. Cause this was, I did read something that was kind of interesting where it was like, they basically with Daniel Craig, they went kind of from like his double O experience. Like they went from, cause in casino, he's barely a double O. Right. Yep. And then you kind of went to his death. Right. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. However, I still don't like that they killed him. <laughs> and I'm fine with, I'm fine with characters. Like my mom's the type of person. I think I've said this in previous podcasts where she likes a happy ending. Hallmark films. Yes, Hallmark films. She yeah. loves everything tied in a bow. I am not that way. I'm no. like, I think if a movie's, like, I don't think a movie has to have a happy ending to be a good movie. Right. And I think you can even kill your main character and that could still be a good film. Right. That being said, for a Bond film, especially one that was trying so hard to be classic Bond, it just, it didn't feel right. I did not... I, I I didn't think that it seemed to line up with the rest of the film. It felt a little bit off to me. Yeah, the so we I mean you kind of touched on this a little bit in the beginning where Bond is very much one of those popcorn action-packed films and mm-hmm. Bond has the ladies at the beginning and there's a bunch of action the middle and then he ends up with saving the day and with more ladies at the end and that's just just how bond is that's always how bond is like sean connery roger moore's um pierce bronson like all that stuff but this one was different to where they had to do something with daniel craig they wanted to move on so they're like well let's do i don't know i don't know on how they've really like I think we talked about this and how they've really tied these movies together. And it seemed like they did Casino Royale and they're like, oh, that was kind of fun. You know, 
let's do another one. And they kind of did another one. And by the second or third one, they're kind of like, okay, let's tie all these stories together. And they started kind of tying them together. And then, so when you got to this one, that's kind of why it feels so disjointed between this one and the past ones, even though all the stories are supposed to relate to each other, it still has this weird disjointed feeling to it because I think halfway through the series, they felt like they should tie the stories together instead of it instead of like planning all of them out at once and then filming them yeah. one by one, if that makes sense. Well, because, um, you know, my big beef with Spectre was like, ooh, all these other secret societies and villains have actually worked for Spectre. And then in Cuba, <laughs> he's there, he's in the Spectre lair, and then, you know, Blofeld like gives us a speech like, man, I'm going to kill you, Bond. And I was like, First of all, that felt like Spectre 2.0 because that happens in Spectre as well. He goes into the Spectre lair and Blofeld is like, hello, James Bond. I know you're here. <sighs> that happened again in Cuba, which I was like, okay. That was that was an awesome impression, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bond, I got you. See? <laughs> <laughs> like a 1950s like gangster. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see, I got you, man. I expect you to die. <laughs> I um, am taking offers to be the next Bond villain. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden it, it was just kind of like, ooh, now there's someone even above Spectre. Like there's someone who has it out for Spectre and is going to take down that whole secret organization. And at that point, I was just kind of like, okay, at what point are we done, like, one-upping each other? Yeah. At what point do we reach the actual apex predator of the evil villains? Right. Because yeah. in Casino, Le Chief was kind of your main villain, but you knew that he worked for someone else. Yeah. And then, you know, when Mr. White kills him, he's like... Um, what does he say? He goes, the money isn't as important to our organization as knowing who to trust. And so you're like, okay, there's some kind of secret society. And then that comes to light at the beginning of Quantum of Solace. You know, he's where you end up finding out the MI6 and CIA haven't even known that the secret society existed. Right. And then that kind of runs its course a little bit. And then Skyfall starts and it's like, oh, brand new villain who's who's got a you know an issue with m and bond and wants to kill them and then so you kind of left that quantum secret society storyline in the first two films right had something new and then specter was almost like well we kind of want to go back to that but we also have to kind of tie in skyfall so i guess we'll just do them all together and then no time to die was like yeah we're gonna do that too and make an even bigger person yeah it's like you said like okay so who's is there going to be an even bigger one after Bond dies? Like, who's the who's the apex predator? Who's the who's the big bad? Because we've spent four movies trying to take down the big bad, and I feel like it made sense a little bit for Spectre. As much as I didn't like that they tied in Silva, Blofeld is such an iconic and repeat Bond villain. Like he's in a handful of films. That mm -hmm. that part made a little bit more sense. But then, yeah, same thing. No time to die. They killed him, and they were just like, "Well, yeah, we kill all the specter now." Yeah, I'll, uh, there's a lot of unnecessary scenes in this film. Yeah, and the Blofeld interrogation, I think, was 
highly unnecessary. Yeah, there's a lot of unnecessary scenes in this film, and it, it they just felt like it was just filler. Just filler. Like, well, we got to make this three hours long, so let's throw in a bunch of crap and unnecessary <laughs> sex scenes and weird stuff, and let's just, you know? And, yeah. And the beginning of the film, there, there's a, and we talked about this, there's a weird loophole that they don't even explain at all throughout the entire of the film, and we probably won't even know or understand it, where you have the bad guy, I don't remember his name, uh, Safin? Yeah. Where Safin. he goes after, like, he kills like Madeline's mom and he, he goes after her and she falls in the ice and then he saves her. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, and, the, and, and then you don't even know what happens because then it cuts to like bond and, and her together swimming. It's like, mm -hmm. did he save her and raise her? Did he save her and just be like, okay, peace out. See you later. And just leave her there with her dead mother. What happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah. You don't know. And I think that's a really huge hole to have in a film like that. You can't put that in there and be like, yeah, we're not going to explain that. Whatever. It's like that could because have made a huge it. difference in the way that the story and the movie played out because she she gets visited by Safin later on mm -hmm. uh, and she doesn't even know who he is. And so, yeah. Which is interesting too because, yeah, so he – she doesn't know who he is until he shows her the, the mask that he's wearing at the beginning. Right. But he also seems very like comfortable and familiar with her. And that could have just been the way that they were portraying the villain. Cause I, I do think he did a decent job as, as the villain. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I am not discounting that. I'm just saying that's a yeah, huge, he was great. huge loophole in right. the middle of, or in the beginning of that film that you're just like, okay, that really could make or break the film on how that beginning scene played out. Because if he killed, yeah, if he killed her mom and then saved her life, yeah, then it's like, okay, does he want her alive or, or dead? Like he was showing a sense of compassion. There? He was showing her a sense of compassion, which I get. Mm -hmm. But if he but raised, what? if he raised her, then that's a whole nother level because then she's like involved in his organization. But if, mm -hmm. then if he just kind of leaves her there and just takes off then it's like well then how was she raised did she just go to walk to the nearest village and you know because i mean she she had her dad mr white but you you mm, know he was true. all involved well he was kind of an absent father too that you know you kind of realize that throughout the film because or th like throughout specter um and then so did she raise herself yeah, that's the thing oh. is we don't we don't really know. Dad comes home. By the way, dad, mom was killed, but uh, we're all good. I've been living on my own for the past few months. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, and I think to them it was just like, well, we've got we've got other things to worry about in this movie, making it three hours long. We don't need to really explain that. And on the one hand, I'm like, okay, but on the other hand, I'm like, you also put in a lot of unnecessary. Yeah, a lot of unnecessary fluff, but they don't bother to explain stuff that could really turn the film on its head. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Also, going back, <laughs> going back to the whole is this classic Bond or not identity crisis, I think throwing in a child was not a good move. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm trying to understand why they did that. It's like, is that yeah. is she supposed to be the next Bond? Like 34, 30 years later, it's like, yay, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because... Yeah, Bond and, lives and on. You said this when we were talking about it. You're like, I'm sure Bond has more than one child. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the Bonds have more than one child. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I mean, Bond's an orphan himself, but he also has orphaned tons of children, I'm sure. <laughs> right. It just felt weird. It felt almost like a little bit like a cop-out. Like It was like, okay, well, we somehow need to raise the stakes, so let's add like this woman he loves and a child, and we'll put them in danger. Right. And that just, it felt a little... But not only is it just a child, it's Bond's child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it just felt a little manipulative to me, I think. Like, it was like, here's, like, what could have been Bond's wife and Bond's kid, and we're going to put them in danger. And, and I was just like, there are better ways to raise the stakes, and this just doesn't seem... Again, this doesn't seem to make sense with classic Bond. And let me just say that I don't condone this. <laughs> what classic Bond is very much, like, I know whenever I watch Bond, I'm kind of like, my feminist brain, I'm like, okay, I have to realize what I'm signing up for. And I'm not saying that this is okay, but Bond is very much like, you know, women, women cars and guns and explosions, and Bond saves the world. Exactly. And... Daniel Craig, I mean, that changed a little bit with, with Vesper because all of a sudden there were feelings and he'd never really had feelings before then. <laughs> right. Um, but this just felt, a, with a movie that was trying to be, you know, like the old school Bond films and then to throw in not only a woman that he loves, which that did feel organic to me, right. but then to throw in a child as well, I was just like, oh my gosh, is this... Is this necessary? This doesn't really seem to make any sense. <laughs> um, so to to your to your point, and I think we talked a little bit about this, but uh, along the lines that you are talking about, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to show you a bond that was compassionate because in Casino Royale, you had a pretty much a pretty heartless bond who just mm -hmm. was there to do, do the job he killed whoever he had to kill to get the job done and that was that and mm -hmm. then as it kind of progressed through he fell in love with somebody in casino royal and she then she ended up dying and then he you started to see bonds having this weird compassionate type side and a mm -hmm. lost love and all this stuff and so as it's kind of progressed through these different movies it's gone from a heartless killer to in this movie, a compassionate person who, you know, loves this other woman who has a child and who is what we would think is a normal loving human being or whatever. I'm doing air quotes for those of you who obviously cannot see. Um, so I think that's what they're trying to do, whether they did that correctly or not. I don't think so, but I think that's what they're trying to portray. And I think that's a cool idea, like in theory, because I think, like I said, in Casino Royale, I think it was executed wonderfully where, yeah, you meet him and you're like, you're kind of an arrogant jerk. Mm -hmm. You don't respect women. You don't respect your superiors. 
like you, yeah, he's, he's, he's a loose cannon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he has this whole experience with Vesper and you kind of see a little bit of that more in Skyfall as well. Like he has these really beautiful tender moments with M right. who, you know, was kind of a, more of a mother type figure to him. Right. Um, and so then you, you saw it again and I think there was ways, I don't know, maybe, maybe there were ways they could have done it. Maybe there was a way to introduce a child that didn't feel jarring to me. I just remember like, I remember watching it and she was like, oh yeah, there's this child, but it's not yours. And I remember saying like out loud, I was like, what? Like, I'm just so confused. Honestly. <laughs> like, why is this kid here? I mean, I can see what they're trying to do. With like, oh yeah, Bond like was able to fall in love again and they mm -hmm. had a kid. Yay. But I, the, honestly, the way that I have would have written this, especially if they're killing off Bond, still make it to where he constantly, because I mean, you see at the first of this film here where he's visiting Vessel's grave and stuff, I would mm -hmm. still make that his main focus that he still loves her and he lost her and it's a lost love and he's jaded by it. That's the direction I would have gone with mm -hmm. this. And then by the end of it where he dies, he's like at peace with himself because he gets to be he gets to see Vesper reunited. Again. I'm doing air quotes again with yeah with yeah. So and he's no, okay I think that's it. a good point. Like if we're still like because Vesper affected the storyline of quantum right and then i would say maybe a little bit in skyfall didn't really see evidence of it inspector but then you saw it in no time to die and so i think yeah it would have been kind of a cool like full circle moment where bond yeah he his tender moment is he's at he's at peace with with sacrificing himself to save the world because he gets to see vesper again right and i the the reason behind that whole idea is because from what I can, my opinion, from what I personally see them as trying to do is making uh, this hard-headed Bond into this very soft character that has a love and a child, you, in my perspective, or what I would have done is you had this very hard-headed person who loved, who lost, has become jaded, and then, you know, come back to, to that whole deal. I'm just showing just to, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is- No, I, like, that makes sense, yeah. They, I just think that with them, I don't know. It, 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 the movie felt disjointed to me. It really did. And the way that it ended just didn't feel right. It just felt like they were just throwing stuff together just to see what stuck. And that's what they came out with. And like talking to you about it now, I'm like, I do see like what they were trying to do. And I think what they were trying to do was a good idea right in theory you know because they knew bond was gonna die so they're kind of wrapping up his arc and i even thought he and madeline had chemistry but it just seems like there were things yeah like you said it felt disjointed there was moments where there was action stuff and then there was just long scenes of exposition and then there was awkward scenes of him and madeline and then there was action stuff again and it just none of it seemed to really flow super well, smoothly 
and like I said, you could see in this movie where Vespa really affected him. And so if you took like his mm-hmm. character that was hard-headed and throughout all the movies from Casino Royale all the way to No Time No Time to Die showed like how much that love and loss affected him by the last movie, No Time to Die, you could truly see like how much he loved and lost and it, it just would end so much better to me, you yeah. know? Because you've, yeah. you've taken this hard-headed man who couldn't love but does, and yeah, it just would have been it just would have been so much better in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I even I liked his I liked his connection with Madeline, but it just seemed well. It seemed natural, Inspector. It seemed almost forced in No Time to Die because all of a sudden there was baggage now, and you knew that he still had you know, a connection to Vesper and yeah, it just, I don't know. This film, well, I mean, it was decently enjoyable. I felt like this and Spectre, I I was like, "Eh, I had a decent enough time watching it, but if I'm going (laughs) to, Brett's shaking his head. I I won't watch this film again. Yeah. There's no, there's no, yeah, we talked about this. There's no, point to me watching this film again i a lot of the bond films like you've mentioned before are popcorn films they're fun to just kind of sit down and watch an action movie and there's stuff going on and it's it's great this was so disjointed and so weird and i i there i didn't get any enjoyment out of this film i really didn't and sorry just kind of piggybacking off your point i was reading something who just was kind of talking about the director and some of the things he's done and that was the thing is like this film had a lot of intensity as far as like it was pretty dark like it was darker there wasn't a lot of like laughs there was not a lot of comic relief and there are in the other bond films yeah like there's stuff that you're you know you're enjoying and especially in the older ones with sean connery and and roger moore especially it's like there are things you can laugh at and you know you're you're enjoying yourself and you're you're watching you know it's just kind of it's fun and you don't have to think much about it and bond you know does all this crazy stuff and he saves the world and this it was just like oh my gosh there's so much emotional baggage and drama and intensity and that's not really what i want in my bond film yeah and i'm looking kind of at his past work and this really seems like quite the shift for him to do the stuff that he's done before and then also do a bond film like that's that's quite that just doesn't seem like his line of work yeah you know and so oh interesting yeah so if you guys want to, you can go look look him up on IMDb, see if you agree with us or not. Yeah. Oh yeah, and this is purely our opinions and stuff. So, so yeah, we, we are not and by any means experts. Yeah, that that should go without saying that. Like these podcasts are with any sort of entertainment and especially film, it's all subjective. Right. There are people who like what they like. Um, I, you know, Brett does have some experience as an amateur writer and some film classes under his belt. I as well have done some amateur filmmaking um, as well as some, some like freelance um, and amateur film critic stuff. 
But at the end of the day, these really are just our opinions. Right. I know some people who loved this film. I know people who hated it. I know people who loved and hated Spectre. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I mean, I really haven't met too many people that liked this film. Oh, and see, I'm the opposite. My A ton of my family liked this one and did not like Spectre. Really? Hmm. Really. That's interesting. So that's the thing. Like... <laughs> I don't know. At the end of the day, we we do have like analysis and thought and a lot of things to back up our opinion. We're not just two people with, you know, two people blowing smoke about our opinions. We do have some stuff to back it up, but these are just our opinions. Right. Right. I mean, that's why we have like the Discord and the Instagram and stuff. It's so that people who love film can can talk and and you know we we can communicate and we share our love of film and we discuss and if you loved a film that we ripped apart come and talk to us about it and which is what you guys to should totally join the discord and the instagram and all that stuff just do it just just do it don't even think about it just do it just join it just <laughs> blindly join it links are always in the description but yeah i mean that's where we talk about stuff and we want to hear what you guys think of films because there's, I mean, there's a ton of films that I've seen and didn't like. And then after talking with someone been like, hmm, I have a new perspective, rewatched a film and enjoyed it more. Right. And vice versa. There's also been films that I liked. And then I talk with Brett and I'm like, Oh, you're right. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm kind of the, the negative Nancy when it comes to <laughs> a lot of films that Kiri likes. She's like, I ha I love this film and we have so much to talk about. I'm like, Oh yes. We have lots to talk about. <laughs> Cute evil laugh in the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So. Um, um, do you want to go to our our ratings on this guy? Um, just a few short things. So some of the cinematography yeah. in this film, I'm kind of a little bit of a sucker for cinematography and different shots and cameras, stuff like that. There was a large overabundance of sun flare shots in this film that right. bothered me to no other end. And it's it's a sin that I really, I don't know what the fascination is with sun flare shots. I really don't. Like I've seen them in some films. You're like, okay, maybe, whatever. But th there's really, sun flare shots, in my opinion, in a cinematography type world, I think is a sin. You shouldn't do sun flare shots. You really shouldn't. I think they serve a very specific purpose and you should stick them to that purpose. And if you're, yeah, I, I think it, it, it has its place and I really think it's few and far between. What, what example? Give me an example. I'm going to hear this. I want to hear this. I, so the, a movie that uses quite a bit, but I think at times it uses it well as the new Star Trek. Okay, I I will give that to you. I'll give that to you. Because, I mean, you know, there's space stuff going on, and a lot of times it can create kind of a sense of, um, like there's one moment where they, they hit something and the ship tilts and people are walking over, there's some kind of some sun flare stuff going on. And I'm like, that makes sense because as a viewer, you're, you know, a director wants the viewer to kind of feel as involved with the movie as they can. Right. For the, for the most part. Okay. And so in that, there's times where if you want the viewer to feel a little bit 
shaken up and you can't quite, you know, I feel like sunflowers are a good way to do it because you can't quite see anything. You feel a little bit blinded. You're a little disoriented. So it makes sense. Right. But I also agree that this film has an overabundance of sunflower (laughs) shots. Like crazy, yes. crazy bad. And the only the only time that I thought of like a good, I mean, Star Trek. That's a good example. But the only other film that I think did a good job with Sunflare is, and this is gonna like totally date me. The first Caddyshack, the beginning scene of first Caddyshack, there's a Sunflare shot, and they actually did it very, very well. I haven't seen that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nothing special. It's a comedy and stuff like that. But yeah. they, they do a sunflower shot in the beginning of that movie. And that's actually fairly well done, yeah. um, especially for that time, the technology and stuff like that. But definitely this film had some some beautiful shots. Um, I thought the the shot of them driving on the Canyon Coast Road at the beginning of the film. Oh, at the beginning? And then she's driving on at the end. Except yeah. in his car, like didn't in a different car. Mm-hmm. I thought that was unnecessary, kind of hokey. I know hmm. that they're. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to be like, oh, we drove this road before, and let me tell you a story about your dad. His name was Bond, and blah blah blah. Yeah, I just thought it was weird, and they're trying to bring it full circle. But I, I didn't. Uh, no. I kind of liked it. Like I was like. Oh, okay. I get, I get where they're, do, you know, what they're doing with this. They're trying to make it come full circle. I didn't mind it, but I can see how that would come across as like hokey and cheesy. Yeah. I mean, the shot, the shot itself is beautiful. It's a beautiful shot because you're on the coast. Like it's a really mm-hmm. well done aerial shot. It looks really good. Um, but the point of the shot with them, you know, with her being like, oh, let me tell you a story about your dad. And she like smiles mm. and all that. I'm just like, eh. That's kind of weird and stuff. Yeah. Um, other than that, that was pretty much it for as far as like the cinematography. Oh, one last thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. This part it bothered me, but it kind of I can see where it wouldn't bother other people, but where you have the three scientists in the room and the one scientist gets the call from Spectre. Oh, yeah. And it's like the other two scientists are maybe four feet away. Maybe. And they don't hear exactly what he's saying on the phone. He's like, and then at the end, he's like, oh, I love animals. And you're just like... I, uh, I worked in I worked in an office. I, I sit pretty close to other people, and I can hear what they're saying on the phone. Like even if I'm trying yeah. not to hear them, I can hear what they're saying on the phone. That was a terrible scene. That was a terrible scene. And they tried, I also they try to like tease them with was... the the disease, the uh, smallpox or whatever the lid. They're like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, the nanobots. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like it was a cheap. A- like kind of a weak attempt at some comic relief, but I thought the same thing. His his weak like. Yeah, I love animals. I'm like that didn't sound like that wasn't suspicious at all. <laughs> well, they would have heard his entire conversation. That's my point. Yeah. And then he tries to play it off that they're talking to him about animals, and you're just like, okay, like that. That was just weird to me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. You ready for ratings? Yeah, let's do it. 
so this one, while there were some things I enjoyed, um, I probably won't watch it again by my choice. If I was home visiting my family and they wanted to, I would watch it. And I think they're, you know, I would still enjoy it. But I don't think I would choose it to be the Daniel Craig film I watched. Um, and with everything else that I just didn't had issue with, with the story and stuff, I have to give it a little lower. There was enough I enjoyed, though, so I give it a 68. Um, I am probably... Now... Uh, this is going to sound bad. <laughs> and I know I'm going to get hate mail for those of you who joined Discord and stuff like that. I'm actually giving this lower than I previously thought. I'm not returning to this movie. I probably will never watch this movie again. Maybe if it's on, like if I'm visiting family or something, but I will not sit down and watch it. I, I don't think this movie is very well done. I'm going to give this oh, a, a 60 at the most. A 60 at the most. I, I'll give it a 60. I'll let it, I'll let it go at 60. Okay. I mean, I'm thinking like 55-ish, but I'll, I'll I, give... I could tell. I look at your face. I was like, <laughs> he's going to give it in the 50s. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'm going to give it like a 59-60. I'm going to just let it be right right there. Um, okay. This is not a movie I would ever go back and rewatch. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. When I think about it, I'm like, I don't think I will... Like, I don't want to say willingly give it because honestly, if like if I was with some family or friends and we were picking a movie and they all wanted to watch it, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, I'll enjoy it decently enough. But I would never be the one to be like, hey, let's watch No Time to Die. <laughs> Have you, do you, never going to be me. Do you watch Seinfeld at all? A little bit here and there. Did you see the episode where they go and see The English Patient? There's a movie called The English Patient. And everyone loves everyone loves it, but uh, Elaine hates it, and she's just like, <laughs> "It's so long, I just hate it." They force her to go and say it or see it, and she's just sitting there, just begrudgingly in the theater, and she just hates it. And it, it's just funny; it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I'll have to watch that, it now. <laughs> it's pretty much how I would be. Like, if someone forced me to watch this movie again, I would just be like begrudgingly sitting there in my seat, just like bored, just like. Just die already, Bond. Just die. <laughs> Let's end this thing. <laughs> yeah. The missiles so. are there, okay? <laughs> yes. Let's just end this. But, yeah. So, uh, woo, that was fun. Uh, what yeah. do we have on our plate for next time? Um, I just need to start cranking out, like, a little bit of a calendar, I guess. Um so that people can pitch in. We'll probably do, there's a couple of films I've been wanting to watch, so we might do a, throw a poll up and, and see what people think, um, and then we'll probably do a Disney after that. Okay. Um, go back to doing our, doing our Disney once a month, but yeah, we, got, we, gotta, Ooh. we gotta pick one I think that we like. <laughs> what, what Disney one? Ooh. Ooh, should we do uh, should we do Beauty and the Beast? Brett, <laughs> you know how I feel about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> should we do Beauty and the Beast? 
Or we could do... Uh, I feel like I got to work up to Beauty and the Beast a little bit. Or we could do the uh, the huge racially insensitive Star Wars one, uh, episode one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That was before it was Disney. Yeah. I think a Disney Renaissance one would be fun though. Okay. Like Aladdin or Little Mermaid or something. Ooh, Aladdin. Also racially insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I made a handful of Disney movies are like that. <laughs> um, no, Little Mermaid or or Beauty and the Beast or little or Aladdin or Lion King. Yeah, we'll throw we'll throw some up um in the in the polls for sure. Like we'll definitely be doing some polls over the next few weeks. That's like the big thing is like I usually have some idea of what we'll do. But then I let you guys kind of decide because yeah. I have always been kind of surprised by what the poll has picked. But I think like if that's what you guys would rather hear, then that's what we'll do. Yeah, because I totally thought Ghostbusters was going to win and everyone picked Bond. Yeah, the runner up was Matrix. It was not Ghostbusters. Oh, Matrix. Oh, we, we have to do that movie. But oh, man, that was painful. Yeah. That one might be fun to do a comparing, like do the old one and then do the new one. <laughs> yeah. Cause it did compare a lot to the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do, we'll, I'll throw a poll up for next week. Um, by the time this airs, the poll will already be done. Yep. Um, but then expect a Disney poll coming up and then we'll probably do matrix after that. So yeah, stay stay tuned. That's another reason to join the Instagram and the Discord. Um, we put a lot of polls up on there, and we want to see what you guys want to do. Oh, and we've said this before, but with Discord, if there's a movie that you want to talk about on the podcast, let us know. Like, be like, hey, I really want you guys to do this movie, and I would like to be, like, a guest because I want to talk about it. Like, let us know. If there's a film that you love or hate... <laughs> and want to want to talk about it and analyze it with us like let us know yeah let's let's get some guests some guests going with some films yeah man yeah um so anyway yeah that pretty much wraps us up for today we will see you guys next week see you guys <laughs>